0: Foden Bead Show, a weekly podcast about the 2024 Star Wars Armada Vassal World Cup. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Foden Bead Show. I'm Rayleigh 42 and joining me today is my co-host, Armchair Jedi. Hello there. And we've got a special guest this week is the Red Scourge. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Our... Topics for this week, our agenda, we're going to do our uh, standard patented phone bead interview with the Red Scourge, Then we're going to talk a little bit about squadless, squad full, and semi-squad at the VWC, and then we'll finish with Armchair Jedi doing a week three recap, which he has promised will be exceedingly lengthy because a lot happened in the last week. With that, let's get started with uh, our interview. So, uh, Red Scourge, how long have you been playing Armada?
1: Oh, since Rabbit and Wave 2 is when I started playing. So, I've been there for a good while. Seeing the height of several of the stuff that was broken.
0: That's quite a long time. I, I feel like I hear a lot of Wave 6 and 7 and 8. Wave two. That's that's a that's a pedigree.
1: Yeah, and uh, my first uh, angry walks the one that got me into the game to start with, and y'all can take a wild surprise of what my first list was against.
0: It was Akbar.
1: Yeah, assault frigate Akbar. Yep.
2: It's it's still is Akbar.
1: Well,
0: yeah, I had a friend at uh, my old gaming club who used to say, "You're only as good as your last opponent." Um, so you must be very good then.
1: I wish I could say better.
0: <laughs> um, how did you find the game initially?
1: Actually, it was I got burned out on 40k. Just got tired of and changes. And Angry Ewok knew that we, he found this game and he finally tried to, to find somebody else to play.
0: Nice. Recruitment. Uh, were you into any? Oh, yeah, of course. You just said you were into 40k. Um, how long did you play 40k before that?
1: Probably about six years. Six, seven years? About no. three editions? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good old, good old 40K. Uh, were you a Star Wars fan before that?
1: Uh, very generic. Uh, mainly just movies. Not really in depth on anything else. But since Plan Armada pretty much caught up on everything now.
0: What's your favorite Star Wars content? Getting the hard-hitting questions out.
1: It, it actually is Rebels. Especially with the what they're doing with the new stuff, I'm kind of I like how they're tying it in.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well,
1: I, I mean with the uh, with Ahsoka and how it kind of all kind of wraps yeah. wraps up those loose ends. Yeah, yeah. Mandal- Ahsoka yeah. and then a uh, Mandalorian, type of stuff. In right. there.
0: Yeah. When I finished Rebels, I was already playing Armada, and I left Rebels feeling like, well, now I want to do an entire Phoenix Squad, like. Why can't I do that in this game? Where's my chopper? Where's my Zeb?
1: I mean, my Vader list is pretty as close as I get to Mandalorian as you can get in Armada right now.
0: Did you play in uh, previous VWC
1: events? I have. um, Made a cut for the first time. That was with the Starhawk before the 134. Do you remember what year that was? It was COVID. (laughs) That's all I remember. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, fair enough.
0: All right, and so the, the pod... Sorry to say you, you told us before the uh the podcast you've just learned that you did not make it make the cut into Swiss this year. Sorry. But how did you feel about your chances against your pod opponents?
1: Well, considering I we only had one thirty four to one one thirty four to deal with, I felt like I had a good chance, even with the matchups.
0: What was your what was your list that you brought?
1: Vader Five Arquitans, all with slave turds and Expert Shield Tech, with one Gazanti with resupplies. I, I like that. I, I like that sort of broadsiding, devil may
2: care, take my tokens. I don't need them. Kind of a kind of thing. I think that's cool.
0: Actually, it reminds me of uh, a local who I was new to the game, and I made the mistake of taking his fire lanes. I assume you have fire. Do you have fire lanes, Isuriella?
1: See. Uh, no, it was a contested outpost. I wanted them to run to a spot that can gun down.
0: Okay, well, fire lanes with those architans. Yeah, he just circled around them and bedinged for like eight hundred points across six turns. It was brutal. Yep.
1: Yeah, I was hoping somebody would take opening salvo, but <laughs> they saw that one coming. Eh?
0: Yeah. So, how did you feel about your pot opponents and the the matchups that you had? You said they were you're you're feeling all right, but
1: yeah, two of them light squads, which didn't really, the, Z, the Z95s or the YTs, we never really, didn't really affect the game at all. The uh, Hera bombers, yay. That took out one, uh, that took out one Architect before he even got shot.
0: All right. I think that's going to be the end of our, uh, our questions here. Uh, should we move into the topic of the week?
2: Let's move into the topic of the week. And of course, um, topic this week being squads and squadless play in, in the World Cup. You've got one of, um, actually one of several squadless fleets in this year's World Cup. And is, is that something that you you normally play? You normally kind of go squadless or do you kind of play around with different things on in different occasions as the mood strikes you?
1: Yeah, squadless is that wild hair that I have to scratch once in a while. <laughs> and with basil, it's just I'd say it, it, that's a little it only easier makes to get. It a little longer. So it just, yeah. It. Yeah. Do, do you do uh, TTS as well as Vassal or is, are you just a, a straight up Vassal guy? Uh, straight up Vassal. I was actually trying nice. to, some of my pods tried to bribe me into playing. Yes. Oh. to have to have a pretty sweet pot to eat a switch over to there. Uh, it was one of my Well, he was in my pod last year and I oh. just, used to be a local in front of me before he moved. Oh, I gotcha. Um, so speaking of,
2: you know, there were 20% of the field this year was uh, squadless, which is the, the second highest. Now, the other, obviously, the, the highest number, you, people can probably guess, was the, the full, you know, 121 to 134. There's 26% over a quarter of the, of the field. Um, but looking at it sort of year over year, squadless didn't change between this World Cup and the last World Cup, still twenty percent of the field. Um do you think do you think people are do you think it's kind of the same people doing going back to Squadless over and over or is it people just kinda of looking for a uh a break and, and to speed up the, the game in as you say in the vassal um system? Or what do you,
1: why do you think the Squadless is so timeless? Well I'm one of them that jumped from I ran Starhawk one thirty four last year to Squadless this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of them that flipped. Yeah, and and and
2: the the high end, the 134, 121 to 134, that's down 10%. So a lot of people bailed out of the um the 134, the high end heavy squads list. Interestingly though, that that 10% mostly settled into the the low end of the of the of the squadron points. So like 21 to, to 24 or sorry, 21 to 40 percent. Uh sorry. 21 to 40 squad points there's about 10 percent of the field that's up four percent and 41 to 60 was at about 19 percent so about a third of the field was in that 21 to 60 range and which is up you know 10 or 11 percent over last year and I, I think i feel like some of that has got to be the Anakin effect and some of it has got to be people kind of finding new ways to to make those smaller screens work um I suppose that was good news for for players like you who you know? Obviously, going squadless. If you only have to face forty points worth of enemy squads, that's that's
1: good news. You'll probably take that any day. Yeah, two redirects with expert shield tech helps a lot. Mm. All screen. Yeah, yeah.
2: Obviously, much much harder when you get up the uh, up the ladder. I mean, if we look at it, faction to faction, there were twenty five rebel fleets in the World Cup this year, and it was a pretty even split. As far as squad composition or squad point numbers between these fleets, there was 24% of them had that 41 to 60, sort of that, you know, small screen kind of a, kind of a number. Uh, 28% had the 81 to 100 range. It's like that medium fighter build, not quite that full heavy bomber build. Uh, A lot of rogue balls would probably fit into that one. And then another 28% had the, had the maximum uh 121 to 134, the you know, the, the big beefy squad ball. Interesting thing with uh with rebels, of course, is the, the rogue quadrant or the rogue percentage. They've always got a lot of rogues in their balls. Twenty six percent of the squad fleets had rogues. Aces were fifty nine percent. So fifty nine percent of the squadrons taken were aces. That's a lot.
0: That's a lot. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out like, yeah. So you're saying like if a hundred squads were taken by rebels, 59 of them were aces.
2: Basically. Yeah. 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 And so that's, I mean, it kind of makes sense if you think about it, like, okay, if, if I'm a, a rebel player and I'm, I'm going to take a small screen, I might take Shara Tycho and a couple A-wings, right? Well, there's 50%. Yeah. You know, if I'm a, I am a separatist player. If I'm going to take a small screen, I'm, I'm probably just going to take a handful of vultures and call it done. And that's 0%. Um, so that's, I mean, it's a pretty high number. Lando was the most popular. Uh, 31% of the fleets had a Lando in it. Uh, everybody loves or hates Lando, I suppose. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on Lando there, uh, Red Scourge?
1: I mean, guaranteed damage, even through a scatter or anything like that, it's it's can't be avoided.
2: Is 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 Lando and an Adar. The worst combo in the game?
1: That's that is a hard question. I mean, you've got another Jinnin and Steel, now they've added Vader with along with that combo. That's a hard question there with those two. Yeah.
0: I feel like so like I have spit Venom at Pedix Pretty regularly. And I've never spit Venom at Lando. And I feel like there's a thing there where like you know what Lando's gonna do Lando's gonna do a bunch of damage and mess you up and if you can if you can help him move along in in a certain way you can get rid of his brace tokens or you accept that you're gonna take that damage and then you're gonna mess him up in return I feel like that that helps my outlook or like my attitude towards lando i'm much I'm much happier being beat up by Lando given that I know what's gonna happen every time.
1: Yeah, I think about the best comparison I can think of is like Whisper for Empire. It's like you don't fight Whisper around the station, or, or and you never take their um,
2: their asteroid tactics.
1: Yeah, yep, that's yep.
2: Um, well, I mean, speaking of Whisper, speaking of uh, of the American Gen and best friend league, uh, Imperials. So there were twenty nine Imperial fleets again, a pretty even split uh, between. The, the different sort of uh, squad loadouts. Uh, oh, something interesting that I didn't mention. Rebels were the only faction who had zero squadless fleets. Every rebel fleet had some squads. Contrast that with Empire. 28% of them were squadless, yours being one of those. Uh, 21% had a, that 41 to 60, very, very small Screen range, and then 34 percent was the squad heavy, and we know, you know, we alluded to a few times what what the empire loves doing with their squad heavy builds. Just to
0: jump back to rebels briefly, uh, the fact that there's no squad list makes a lot of sense to me because you can show up with 32 points of squads and be amazing. And even though that 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 didn't really happen because the you know there's no. I guess based on these numbers here, there's no 21 to 40 in the rebels, but like Londo, Nope. Shara Tycho being Mm -hmm. a thing is like, why would you not take that?
2: uh, So there there are, so I, I didn't want to go through all the, all the minutiae of the numbers. I kind of looked for the, the, the big spikes in the, in the graph. So yeah, there, there was three fleets that had the 21 to 40 range. Um, 12% Twelve percent of the field, and there was one field, one squad. Uh, sorry, one fleet with the sixty-one to eighty, and one fleet with the one hundred one to one hundred twenty. Um, so yeah, there definitely are are a few squa- uh, fleets that are taking those, those small screens in rebels, but there's nobody squadless.
0: Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying is like, if I had Sharon Tycho in the Republic, I would be taking them all the time too. I don't think I would ever look at squadless because it's just so cheap to get like a minimum screen and be like, yep, there they are.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Um so with with the uh with the Empire, obviously the, the squad list is is quite a viable playstyle. Rogues, you know, minimal rogues compared to the the Rebels, only 16% of the, of the total Empire squadron count was was rogues, but 58% aces, which is a huge number. Uh but smaller than the than the rebel one, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then looking at the best friends, your your morna agenda number, 31% of the fleets had Morna and Jendin, And 21% had Morna Gendon and Vader. Uh, so that is a super, super potent combo. We all know jendan does to 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 boost the power of the squadrons, especially somebody as powerful like Vader for your anti-squads, even your anti-ship. And then um, Merrick getting the, the two dice there and getting the auto crit. What I thought was interesting, though, there were three fleets in the, in the high squad range, the 121 plus range, who did not take the best friends, Merrick and, and Jendon. Each of them took Hondo and Mahler. One was a Moralo fleet. One had Sienna and Valen. And the third was Hondo, Mahler, and a bunch of fire sprays. Any thoughts on
1: that? I kind of want to look at that. I gotta have to re- probably revisit that myself. The, ho- the Mauler, moler Hondo, and the fire sprays. Because honestly, that's always been my weaknesses with fire sprays is seeing them punch their way out of things. And Holler, moler and Hondo, then they're a little trickery there. It's they can stack some damage quick.
2: Now the, the so the Hondo effect on Mauler counts as a as a move, correct? So that means you can you can move him in splash and then move them again and splash again
1: uh not exactly no uh normally you just you move mauler up into combat it's fighter coordination team on demo or any fighting coordination team so basically you go in there hit like one squadron uh hondo that one squadron out and then fire coordination team uh mauler into it or vice versa gotcha so basically just maximizing that um that splash damage
2: but more of a pinpoint than a than a area of yeah, effect no, on a whole bunch of squads.
1: You hit one, and then you doubly, You hit one squadron, and then you splash in. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, okay. Useful against uh, guys like uh, Delta Anakin, I suppose, where you don't want to expose a whole lot of squads to him, but if you can ping him for, for two damage period, that he can't do anything about, that'd be, that's just, that's golden.
0: But then I'm Yularen, and I heal it back up.
2: Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to enjoy playing... Against your you learn, am I?
0: I don't know. I might not enjoy playing with it either. <laughs> Fair <laughs>
1: enough. Hey, <laughs> I'm taking a list I didn't write to a second chance. That's I'll be fine. I ran the ran a tur- uh, store championship and watched uh, a non-akbar angry Ewok list that I'm taking. So
0: nice.
1: I'll be flying trench. Nice. Ooh. Um, uh, tr- trench 134. Uh, not a cl- I gotta go back at the list. It's not exactly 134, um, but I think it's just shy of 100. I know it's 10 squadrons though.
2: Okay. And SEP squadrons are so cheap that's it's nice to be able to pack them in like that and then get that um, you know the the trick with the trench though, is getting that extra token because there isn't a uh squadron token generator unless you like consonant it i guess or something well that's a good segue into the separatist fleets so there were 19 separatist fleets um this one was interesting because it was much more spread out there was thirty two percent of them squadless you had 16 percent of them in that low range 21 to 40 you know that's your that's your four vultures kind of a range and then it was evenly spread for the next three bands the 41 to 60, 61 to 80, 101 to 120, each at eleven percent, and then only 21% had that top end 121 to 134. Uh Aces made up 17%, or sorry, 27% of the total squad, which is pretty good given how many squads you can fit into here for for the price. Um and Watt Tambour was one that I kind of picked out to look at. The Watt Squad, as I call them, was in eight fleets that's 42 uh percent of the of the separatist fleets had a had watt ten squadron. I had him in my list um, I'm not sure how I feel about it in my list. I might like him better in um either in a bigger squad complement because i had i had watt in three vultures and then three reserve hangar decks and i i don't know I don't know that he did a whole lot for me um that like one or two more vultures might have done better. But I also don't think I fly minimum squadrons very well, so that's that's certainly part of it. So, have you guys? Did you other any of you face either Watt Squadron in your pods, or did you face somebody flying Watt Squadron um, recently in real life?
0: I haven't faced a lot of Watt in the VWC. In fact, no Watt so far in the VWC. But I face him every week in your fleet. Which is what, like Watt and
2: Three Watt and Three Vultures, yeah. Three vultures. The only difference between our my regular is I had an extra I had the three reserve hangar decks in the fleet in the V W C instead of two that I don't already play. Yeah. So
0: from from facing that, what's another thing where like I, I've i played against him in a couple, you know, when he first came out, um, I played a, a couple people and I was like, oh, he's so annoying. He's just, he soaks up a lot of damage, but very similar to, to Londo, like I've got almost this attitude of like, yeah, if you just keep throwing damage at him, he will fall over. He's not, he's not invincible. He's got uh, some really good defensive tech. And I, th- I think he's, I think he's good for what he does.
1: Yeah, my area though, CIS is the weakest one, so we, I haven't even seen what on the field in squadron yet.
0: And I think, too, the screen ability is kind of a neat one because I think that there's like it's, it's another opportunity to, to think about how your squads are placed.
2: It definitely, but it, it also suffers from that, you know, the, the escort aura effect. He's the only escort. So if you can get your squads around the edges of him and engage my vultures without engaging Watt, then you know Watt's just a paperweight.
0: If I can do that, haven't you, as the Watt player, made a mistake?
2: Oh, probably. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do not doubt that I make many squadron-based mistakes. Um, yeah. So I know something for me to work on. I know, and uh, and I'll I'll be uh, interested to hear how the how the trench goes with your
1: um with your new fleet there, uh, Red Scourge. Yeah. uh, It handled my vassal world list that day. I don't think I even put a dent in anything. Even as much as it was hard as those arcadents punched. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, Well, that just leads us with the Republic. There
2: are 15 republics fleets. um, 27% squadless. uh, And then 20% on that very low end, 41 to 60. And then Thirty-three, but a third of them were 101 plus points. So heavier it seems on the on the low end, which is and I, you know part of that obviously is the lack of the total lack of ularan in this year's field, which is uh, as you said um, last time, surprising for me anyway. Uh, that, that nobody took ularan. As far as aces go, thirty-three percent. Which is, I think, an all right kind of number. One third of all the squadrons were aces. When you have uh, the the Republic best friends Annie and Axe, you know that that makes up uh, a decent chunk of your of your squad complement, especially on the low end. Uh, Annie and Axe were twenty seven percent in and twenty seven percent of the fleets for the fleets. Uh, Matchstick is still around. He was in two of the fleets, and I, I know um, really you had some experience with uh, with Mister Match.
0: Yeah, so. I yeah I was one of the two matchstick fleets I listened to and this is this is how these feedback loops work is I was listening to the Armada podcast and it was Never probably heard it. it was probably somewhere in like September I don't know I binged all their their like two, 3 months of episodes in the last 2 weeks or so um and they were talking about like how matchstick was the only relay in the the faction and i was like oh that's really interesting i want to play with that so i had envisioned this is how my my bullshit fleet started was i envisioned like this clam one in the corner and like Matchstick telling these arcs to go fly and destroy other things. Um, And it didn't work out quite how I thought it was going to, but on the other hand, Matchstick was useful in a number of scenarios where the arcs were just a little bit out of range. I had a boosted comms uh, acclimator, and it just gave me that extra range that I might not have wanted, or might not have had otherwise because I was trying to be really cagey with my clamp one. Now interestingly I talked with the other um matchstick player it was Argentum I'm just going to check that
2: Yeah it's in Podgomorian
0: Yeah yeah and they were saying that that uh <laughs> matchstick did nothing for him um absolutely nothing at all and was like he didn't come up a single time Sorry uh, Argentum's pronouns are she her my apologies Yeah, she says, honestly, didn't come up a single time. I kept my squads close the whole time, more or less. He was just there in the event. I needed to reach out and fish something off towards the end of the game, which never happened. So you got one person saying uh, matchstick not super useful. Another person saying, eh, kind of useful. He's going to be in my Yularan, my second chance Yularan fleet. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to be excited about
2: it. Sure. That's the thing. Like, like sometimes it just needs more reps, right?
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. and even still, having just a double brace. What I mean, and you get the bonus of oh, it's a relay two. Three. Oh, three. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, it's just making that making that what what you're missing. I think uh, really is some sort of Republic Centacore.
0: What does Centacore do? You?
1: it relay basically is old kind of old relay, but it's off the ship. It's an arquitan title that allows you to wherever that ship it, command comes from. It's two off that Arquiton.
2: Yeah. Whenever another friendly ship resolves a squadron command up to two of the squadrons that activates can be at close medium range of, of Centacore. So imagine slapping something like that on a, I don't know, a consular or something like that, and you can bounce one squadron command, well, I guess two through it, through matchstick into something else. It could get, I don't know, it could get wild. Watch for it reinforcements three.
0: I'm currently daydreaming. Yeah, no, it's a Pelta with AST and ECMs. Yeah.
2: And Republic Senticor,
0: And a Republic Senticor. yeah.
2: I I don't know if that's going to be it, though, because you need it to be able to get places and Pelta
0: peltas he was running up the middle two peltas no he's it's a title you can't do that
2: (laughs) task force centicore yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that kind of wraps up the the squad data what what are your what are your thoughts on the on the squad picture we painted today with the with the different fleets in the world cup this year
0: I think it's interesting. I felt like going into the VWC, there were more people talking about, for example, uh, like Bale-134. And what you're kind of seeing in the Republic is that there were only two fleets that went as high as 134, and it looks like maybe three others that were in the 101 to 120 range. So that's not quite the like resounding... Like, I don't know, you, the, the the Abrada podcasters or somebody else was talking about, like, a, after Anakin kind of got the stick give, taken to him, going back to uh, old fleets uh, that were kind of pre-rapid reinforcements too. And for me, that that kind of sounded like the the Bale 134. And I'm, I'm not certain we're seeing that.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at the, so we don't have a full Swiss picture yet. But out of the ones that we know are confirmed in the Swiss, there are two. Um 134s in there. One's a Bale and one's a Lumi. So uh, as far as republics go, they, I mean the the high squadron count is definitely present. There's also three no squad Republic fleets. So and I guess just kind of skipping ahead a bit. I mean, looking into the Swiss, um of and this is based on the snapshot as of I want to say maybe five hours ago. So there's still I think a two games still to go. Uh, Argentum is one and, uh, Tevaranta is the the other one. Um, and we're looking at 10 squadless fleets and 13 max squad fleets. So, you know, and, and a sprinkle all the way in between. So it's going to be a fairly, you know, similar distribution, I think, as far as, you know, the, the fleets that make it into the Swiss and their squad composition compared to the the whole field, which which is interesting. It, it kind of suggests to me that there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, difference between your different squad options. Your or not squad options. What am I trying to say? Archetypes. Your different arc, squad archetypes. Um, you know, flown by skilled uh, skilled players. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that settles out. All right, so should we uh, should we get on to the the week recap? Let's do it. Alrighty. So pod week three, this was meant to be the end of the pod phase and the beginning of the Swiss phase. And I mean, we all know life happens uh, and real life is always more important than plastic spaceship virtual or otherwise. So a couple of games, as I mentioned, not quite in the bags in the books yet, but we do have a pretty good picture of what the Swiss is going to look like. Just not necessarily the, the seeds. Um, so I'll try to quickly rip through these and give you all a taste of how the last week of the pod phase finished up. So in pod Chiss, Zilius came up a bit short against Paul Heaver and, and ended up getting eliminated. Uh, Paul Heaver will join backseat Admiral in the Swiss. In pod Dathomir, Ionbound falls to, what's my name again, 19, 7-4. But it's enough to fend off the challenge from the layout aficionado. Despite a 1-2 record, A one and two record. Ionbound will join Louis-Andre in the Swiss. Over in Pod Deathwatch there's still one game left to play as I mentioned uh, Teva Ranta against uh, Ol Olomior spike beat Olomior uh, and moved to the top spot in the in the pod uh, and it's basically going to be a, a battle between uh, Tave Ranta and Olomior to figure out who makes the the second spot in Pod Duros Laugh Fuzzball beat Baidat Bed 269 to 135 which put Laugh Laff Fuzzball and Unskilled First Officer tied at 13 going into a final match against each other. The winner of that match will join Kalorin the Shameful in the Swiss. In that last match, Laff Fuzzball blanked last year's champion 148-0, to which makes this the third year in a row, I believe, fourth year in a row, that the prior year's champion has not made the Swiss. The last player to do that was Aresius. Who won in 2020 and then made the Swiss in 2021? Uh, is there Calor- a curse? I don't know. A- it, it it kind of seems that way, doesn't it? It it's kind of, you know, you, you think about how these players. I mean, to win the World Cup at all, kind of puts you in a in a very select group, right? And then, um, you know that 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 lack of dynasty, I guess, is a good thing for for the rest of us. But uh, it's it's just kind of surprising that the the players. I don't know. And I, and that's the thing with the World Cup too. Like we don't it's impossible to to know without getting inside the heads of all these players what their mindset is going in. If they're if they're there for fun, if they're there to to repeat. And so uh who who knows? But um just interesting that, that nobody's done it since Eurisius back in 2021. Um moving on to Pod Gamorion. So this is uh Patrick winning his final match against Argentum. So he gets into the Swiss. Argentum beat Cylindrical Bobcat to move into second. But Bobcat still has one game left to play against Skycake. And he could still overtake Argentum if he gets a big, big win. So we'll be watching that game. That's the other game that's still remaining. In Pod Geonosin, won over New Gandhi. But each player still had one game left. And at this point, it was 13 points for Leon187, 12 points for Arisius, and 11 points for uh, Nidamir. Nugandi was 0-2, but still at 8 points. So everybody still had a chance. Uh, the final matches were Leon 187 versus um, Aresius and Nidamir versus Nugandi. So Nidamir gets a huge win, 10-1 over Nugandi. So he gets a spot into the Swiss and eliminates Nugandi. Aresius got past Leon 187 uh, by 8-3. So the former champ will once again get into the Swiss. So exciting play down to the wire there in Pajianosin. In Pod Gungan, uh wrapped up with Mature and winning his final match versus Speaker. Uh, Speaker winds up with twenty three tournament points, so he'll be well placed in the Swiss. In Pod Hut, Drew Sackett and Wax Maniacal were already through to the final, but uh, the final match against each other determines their point um, seating. So Drew end up winning seven to four, which means them leaves them tied on points at twenty one points, and Wax Maniacal ends up taking the top spot on MOV.
0: This is a bit of a like a local meta kind of thing, but backing up a sec, um, I was shocked when I heard that Maturin hadn't made Swiss because uh, like locally and in Canada, he's traveled to a bunch of tournaments. He is he's has done amazing at the VWC in the past. He's done amazing at these these tournaments that I've I've seen him go to. He hasn't quite gotten to like um, you know necessarily top four although somebody maybe can correct me on that so the fact that he didn't make it out of the pods is really shocking to me and that like when i heard that i I thought more about when people were talking about the 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 skill floor of this event is quite high
2: yeah definitely that's that's definitely part of it i know uh i remember after his first game he felt like he had a uh uh he kind of got wrong-footed on a misplay, and then kind of, it kind of went sideways from there. And sometimes that's that's really hard to recover from. You know, you 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 have your first game go downhill on you, and then you got to try to bounce back. It's you know, it's a, it's a mental thing as well as actually a skill thing. So, um, and we saw we saw Louis Andre do it with his uh, Constantine fleet after losing his first game one ten. Uh, Maturin came up a little bit short, unfortunately, uh, which means maybe you will get to play with him in the uh, in the second chance journey. So in pod iktoki zaz and p t one o six are facing uh are faced off each other in another seating match that they both uh sewed up the top two spots in the field in the in the pod zaz suffered his first defeat of the tournament and finished second with twenty one points to p t 106s twenty four uh Bon calamari solo serenity beat g m Thron so he joins raspertes in the swiss pod nemodian so this is a uh, friend of the podcast, The Red Scourge's um, local player, Angry Ewok. Angry won his second match against uh, Larry, 400 for 228, which left one game to go against Arc Welder, and he could clinch with three points or better. In that game, he won Angry Ewok 1 by 57 MOV with six tournament points, securing his place in the Swiss, leaving a match, uh, leaving Arc Welder to, to try to get past Zantos with a big win over Larry in the final game of the pod. And that's what he does. Capping the pod with a 9-2 win over Larry, leapfrogging both Xantos and Ewok to take the top seed. And this pod, I mean, you know, there's been a lot made about the the skill floor, as you mentioned, and and pods of death. This finished Xantos in third place with 19 TP 224, Ewok in second with 20 and 269, and Arc Welder in first, with twenty two ninety seven, I mean it. It it doesn't get much closer than that.
1: Yeah, this is. Yeah, I heard all of Ewoks' uh, concerns about this pod. He just shook his head when he seen the list. He was worried about it.
2: I bet. I mean, it's I. I would not want to be in a pod with 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 those those four people. Um, I mean, big congratulations for Arc Welder for getting that uh, that big win at the end there and and sneaking up to the top spot. And uh, good luck to both of those guys in the Swiss. Pod to Gruta. So Admiral J got past our co-host, really, 7-4. And that put Admiral Jay in a position to put pressure on Stu Bucket for the last Swiss spot. Really's last match, your last match, was against a friend of the podcast, Stu Bucket. And that would that game was going to determine whether Stu or Admiral Jay got through. Who was it? I didn't look. You didn't look? You had your eyes closed the whole time? Yeah. That explains it, because Stu Bucket won 8-3. to
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Stu Bucket did a good job.
2: <laughs> so, Stu. But Stu
0: no, did. who who got the, the Swiss? No, Stu Bucket. Okay, good. Or yeah. not good. Is it? Oh, it's hard to tell. I don't know. Admiral J was awesome. I want to play him again.
2: Admiral J, if you're looking for an opponent, check out the um, the second chance tournament. Uh, Rayleigh's got your number. Uh, Pod Trend Ocean. Uh, Deridian and Daniel DTW will advance into the Swiss. Toydarian Rimson beat Kaladesh to break a deadlock in advance, along with Jonas Walker. And Pod Zabrix, that's uh, TX Honey Badger, beating friend of the podcast Red Scourge 8-3, which unfortunately ended your uh, dreams of the Swiss. Uh, Ryan Pennock uh, also lost to the t- Honey Badger 7-4. So TX Honey Badger held off the uh, Envis Specialist 86 and took top spot. But again, super close, right? Uh, Twenty-one, nineteen, seventeen for for tournament points. It was a really competitive pod.
1: Yeah, it came down to the last game, and knowing if I was going to make it or not. Yeah, uh, that's
2: it's it's nerve wracking when that happens, but it's also, I mean, for from a spectator point of view, it's 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 awesome because that's the the stuff that uh, you know gets the juices going and stuff. I know in in my pod, I was I was a couple points shy of being in that conversation to be, you know. Um, you know, will he, will he be in or out at the last match? I was a one or two points shy of that, but um, you know, we got a couple matches left to go. But overall, Podface is wrapped up. Super competitive. A lot of really, really, really good games. Uh, a lot of people had, I hope, a lot of fun. Um, I wasn't sure. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I mentioned off the top of this. You know, what life is is more important than spaceships, but it seemed like we had a, a lot more. Drops and um and buys than we've had in previous World Cups.
0: I still want Sam S's pod.
2: You you, you what? Oh, I that because you know, there's only two Sam, people. Right? There's only two people in
0: it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first year you want to say that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, like,
2: Are you crazy?
0: He could have um, raffle stomped me into the ground, and then we could have laughed our way to Swiss.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess if it's if it's if there's three. Sp- Three people fighting for two spots. Then okay, Sam, you take your spot, and then <laughs> you'll, you'll take yeah. your chances. <laughs> Fair enough, um, but yeah. So I mean, it's you know, I, I hope people the people who weren't able to to complete their their pods or their um, you know had to drop for whatever reason are doing okay and everything's all right. Um, but yeah, just something that I noticed as I was sort of tabulating all the data, there is just a lot of. Um, a lot of incompletes, I guess you could say, than compared to normal. And so, you know, you look at the number of of people who entered the the, the World Cup. You know, it's the biggest number ever, eighty eight. Um, and then with the people ending the World Cup with with the results, um, you know that that number isn't kind of quite accurate, um, I guess. So we'll we'll have to see next year how how it all kind of pans out. I mean, I know, like I said, lots going on. January is kind of a slow month because after all the Christmas rush, but it's also I know so it kind of feels like it's just like a, a big busy month too at the same time so um, any any last thoughts on, on the pod phase uh, except for these two matches left
1: that are still to go? So it's been a fun, a fun tournament no matter what even though they get bounced out early it's always fun to play it seems just the volume of lists that come out and the ideas that people have it's wonderful to see
2: yes it is yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and you know, the thing I keep harping on about, you know, like, hey, we gotta, you know, you put more put more reps on different ideas and and see what comes out of it and see what shakes loose. And so tournaments like this are like with you know, almost 90 people, you see, yeah, yeah, like you just said, you know, you see so many different looks. I mean, there were three Constantine fleets for crying out loud. Constantine for crying out loud. So yeah, I always get inspired coming out of the World Cup, uh, whether I, you know. Whether I advance or I don't, you know, I, I always have this this desire to like take some of these neat ideas or these neat looks and just kind of try it out, put my spin on
1: it, see what, see if it fits or see if it's, um, if it's got any legs. So sad my little tournament fleet wound up having a, my normal one that I went to the store championship with wound up having zero this year. I was like, oh, oof. Old Piet, come on. I know, right? <laughs>
2: Well, they'll 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 switch to Constantine, maybe. I don't know.
0: Three Constantines and no Yalaran. Right. Yeah.
2: Commander, Commanders was last week. We can't talk about Commander this week.
0: <laughs> um. All right, y'all. If that's yeah. it,
2: I think that's it. Say, yeah.
0: Let's say thanks very much for coming on the show tonight, Red Scourge. It was great having you.
1: Thanks for staying up late with us. We appreciate you. It's not the first time I lost sleep for this game.
2: Amen. Yeah. Not the last.
1: Not the last. Not the last.
0: And with that, we'll say, may the force be with you. Always. Thanks for listening to the Food and Beat Show. If you have any feedback, feel free to reach out by email or Discord. Listen again next week for more Vassal World
1: Cup commentary.